Um, I, I, I was going to start with something that we have discussed or was on the roadmap uh, pre-exploit, uh, and maybe now is the time to talk a, a little bit more about it, which is uh, the Beanstalk DEX. Um, can you maybe briefly uh, tell us again what was what was the idea behind the Beanstalk DEX and, and how would that work and where, where does it fit in the future of Beanstalk? Sure. So the basic idea is that current implementations of decentralized exchanges, in order to attract liquidity, all impose some sort of trading fee. And at heart, the economic incentive to provide liquidity, or maybe not at heart, this is economics, at its core, uh, the, the incentive for, for providing liquidity is, is that trading fee. And that's the case on Curve, that's the case on Uniswap, that's the model for every single decentralized exchange. And it, in short, in order for a decentralized exchange to have utility, it needs liquidity. So it imposes this fee to attract liquidity to create utility. Now, Beanstalk has demonstrated a pretty clear ability to attract liquidity uh, without trading fees, right? I, I think it's a reasonable assumption that the main reason people were providing liquidity in the silo prior to the attack uh, was not for the trading fees in the silo. Uh, it was for the bean seniorage. And so the, the thesis behind the Beanstalk DEX or the expansion of the market uh, might be the, the, the way to say it within the current Beanstalk lingo uh, would be to implement uh, or facilitate the deployment of a variety of different AMMs or other decentralized exchanges uh, or facilitate other decentralized exchanges, I should say, uh, in a permissionless fashion without any trading fees. And the main reason for that is because people can provide liquidity uh, at, you know, at the base layer, whether that's providing bean ETH liquidity, uh, there shouldn't be a trading fee in that pool, or there doesn't necessarily have to be a trading fee in that pool, or whether that's trading deposits uh, on the root marketplace, none of that should have any fees. And so the concept is to fully generalize the beanstalk market to facilitate trading fungible and non-fungible assets without any trading fees. And that can be facilitated because of Beanstalk's ability to attract liquidity without trading fees because of the seniorage. Okay. And um, where, where, where do we think um, this is as a priority? When, when, when would we want to work on this? And what pool would we expect you know, to launch first on this DEX or what, what non-bean assets would be there to be tradable? Uh, the first thought would be the bean ETH pool. Over time, you'd like the beanstalk market to facilitate a variety of different uh, AMMs or uh, price invariants. Uh, to start, it's likely going to be a constant product bean ETH pool. Over time, you could implement uh, various different price invariants as well. Uh, that's just on the fungible token side. Okay, Harris Smith asks, when can we expect a bean ETH uh, pool? I guess my question would be as well, uh, would we have a bean ETH pool on Uniswap or the plan is to launch it on you know, the Beanstalk DEX? I think the hope would be to, the first 
Beanstalk Dex AMM would be the Bean Eats pool, and that would be a constant product pool. I think that's the that's the goal to work towards, and I don't think it's unreasonable to make it a goal to have that deployed by the end of Q3. Okay, how how will that uh, this work uh, or the Dex work? Will the Dex share all of the liquidity that's in the silo, so anything that's in the silo is you know tradable? Well, there's a lot of different ways to build markets on and around the silo. Uh, if we take Root as an example, the concept is for people to be able to take their deposits and enter their deposits into uh, trades that settle based on various different things. So that's a, perhaps a more sophisticated version of trading deposits. So that's not immediately trading deposits. I guess you could trade deposits for one another, you could trade FERT for deposits. You could trade pods for deposits. As soon as the withdrawal freeze is down to zero, I guess you don't even need the withdrawal freeze down to zero now that deposits are transferable, uh, although you probably want it to be uh, in order to facilitate all this stuff. But it's not a requirement. Lots of different stuff you can build on this. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to like discuss uh, uh, or ask uh, uh, further questions uh, on this. Let's say now I have you know being being ETH uh, uh, tokens deposited in the in the silo, and um, and that will be used you know for the Beanstalk Dex, um, and then you know a user wants to come and buy you know whatever all of the ETH that we have, so they would they would come in and buy as much ETH, uh, ETH uh, as they can. Um, this basically means that Beanstalk doesn't have as much ETH as it did uh, before, but it, you will, it will still owe the same tokens to the depositor. The same way if I had been ETH you know, deposited before and someone just came and bought all of the ETH in it. Am I understanding this correctly? No. So providing liquidity by holding Bean ETH LP tokens would be the same as holding Bean ETH Uniswap LP tokens, save for there's no... Uh, fee earned for providing liquidity. So you're still exposed to impermanent loss. The only way to buy ETH from that bean ETH pool is to sell beans into the pool, right? So if there's a sale of beans into that bean ETH pool, the amount of beans that you would own uh, relative to the ETH that you would own would increase. Not sure if I followed, um, so I'll, I'll ask it again, and, and maybe you can explain it uh, uh, again. Um, so, where is the ETH coming from? If someone wants to come and buy ETH, isn't that ETH taken from from you know the silo deposits? Well, it's not taken from the silo deposits. It's taken from the liquidity pool, yes. right? So you're going to have another liquidity pool that is Beans and Ethereum. And then what's deposited in the silo are the Bean ETH LP tokens. But it's yes. not the change in the underlying ratio of beans to ETH doesn't affect the deposits other than if you were to re redeem the deposit, uh, the amount of beans and the amount of ETH that you would receive would have changed. Okay. Uh, let's say a, a scenario now that, you know, we had two, uh, two pools. Uh, with 50% it was being ETH uh, uh, and then the other 50% was being 3Curve. Uh, and then, you know, once again, someone came and, you know, bought, um, you know, 25% of, you know, the ETH that we have for 3Curve 
and now uh, uh, the deposits or the ratio that we're having in the silo is you know 25% being ETH and 75% uh, being three curve. Uh, so far, so far, so good. Is that correct? Uh, well, that's not really the way it would work. Right? So if there's two pools that are half beans and half ETH and half bean, uh, half beans and half three curve, and you assume that there's equal liquidity in both. If somebody wanted to get the most value for selling a significant amount of beans, they would sell them across both pools in some amount. So let's assume that they're sold in both pools uh, to significantly lower the bean price, right? So beans are sold, uh, ETH and three curve are removed from each pool. The ratios of the pools are changed. Uh, now what? So I, I, I am the person who wants to use uh, the Beanstalk Dex. I have, you know, three curve with me. I want to swap it with ETH. So I would come in, you know, in, in the back, what happens is that, you know, I'm buying uh, bean and then uh, I'm buying bean from the three curve pool and then I'm selling it in the bean ETH pool and then I'm taking ETH out. Correct? Yeah. So if you were going from three curve to ETH in the bean pool, you would be, that is correct. You'd be selling the three curve into beans and then taking the beans and buying ETH with it. That's yes. correct. So then the three curve bean pool will be, you know, will have more three curve and, and the bean ETH pool will have, you know, uh, less ETH. So you'd expect um, arbitragers to take the bean or the excess bean that's in the bean ETH pool and send it to the bean three curve to, to balance the pools, correct? Well, you can assume that the, keep in mind that the price invariance that the pools use may not be exactly the same. So the ratios of bean to ETH and bean to three curve may not be the same, but the, the, the price that you'll get per BDV should trend, assuming that there's an efficient market, uh, the arbitrager should arbitrage the prices of the pools to a common BDV, yes. like a marginal BDV. Yes. So what, what, let's now compare the, you know, the state uh, before the change and after the change. So b before the change, it was 50-50, three-curve ETH. And now after, you know, the swap, it's more concentrated towards uh, three-curve in our example. Is that correct? In the case where someone sells a significant amount of beans for three-curve or what, in what, which we've given a couple examples. Yes, where someone swapped, you know, three-curve for ETH through the beanstalk decks. Uh, yes. In that case, there would be a slight increase in the amount of three curve and a decrease in the amount of ETH. That's correct. Okay. Would Beanstalk ever want to put ratios where it says, you know, uh, once I reach below, let's say, 20% of ETH, then I don't want to, you know, swap the ETH anymore because this is, this is the diversification or this is the ratio that we want? Would, would, do you think we'd ever want to do that or we don't care? Can't take all of our ETH? So... Interestingly, Mod, I don't. I think that you know, if you assume an arbitrager is acting efficiently, the thing that will determine the ratio of ETH that is being provided as liquidity in the silo relative to three curve, that's not a function of the market itself, because uh, you can assume that the, those prices will all be efficient. The question is what. What will people choose to hold their exposure in if they're providing liquidity in the silo? So I have deposited LP tokens. Would I rather have deposited ETH or deposited three curve? And you know, I think we're we're a ways away from this being implemented in practice. But in a perfect world, you can imagine Beanstalk having instead of fixed stock and seeds per BDV, or maybe fixed seeds per BDV, depending on how you want to implement it. You can instead have 
target ratios of different uh, assets that beans trade against. So you can have the amount of seeds per BDV deposited or the amount of stock and seeds per BDV deposited, probably just seeds, uh, but maybe both, change over time autonomously based on the ratio of being three curve relative to being ETH in, in the silo to make holding ETH exposure in the silo more attractive or less attractive than holding three curve exposure or holding LUSD exposure. Does that make sense? But it's not related to the market itself. You can assume that the market would be pretty efficient. So the real question is, what do people want to hold exposure to? Yes, that's, that's cute. And thank you for taking the time to answer uh, these questions. All right. Uh, once again, if anyone has you know, questions or follow-ups on what we discussed or anything else, uh, feel free to drop them in the, in the town hall chat. Otherwise, I'll, I'll start with another question, uh, Publius. And this may not you know, be very being stock related, uh, but we'll continue with that. I wanted to discuss a little bit about you know, inf inflationary and deflationary um, um, currencies. Um, so, you know, we have right now uh, Bitcoin and, 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 and Ether, uh, they're both deflationary uh, in their, uh, maybe not Bitcoin uh, in specific, but uh, Ether uh, in specific is, is deflationary. Um, generally this, uh, speaking, um, when you have a currency that's, uh, so, so let's talk a little bit about inflation. High inflation, we know why it's bad. And, and maybe, maybe it's, uh, you know, commonly known why, why high inflation is bad. Um, and generally, it's because people will start, you know, the value of the money that I'm holding is losing its value. So let me spend it now instead of holding it later. Uh, and this is also the reason for why, you know, low inflation or uh, really low inflation is also bad, because then people will hold into their assets and, you know, uh, they will not like spend it in the economy or not use it uh, uh, as, as a currency. Um, so my question is, um, if, if you're being deflationary, if we, if we reach to a point where, you know, Ether now is stable, um, it's not, you know, as volatile uh, as it is, let's say, now. Do you still see it being used as a currency or just given its deflationary nature, it cannot really be used as a currency because people will always want to hold Ether and not use it? All right, so that's a very interesting question that you asked but also an interesting premise. And I do want to comment on the premise before we get to answering your question. So uh, I think high inflation is, it, I agree, is obviously bad because the, it, it's very hard to predict uh, things and you know, make proper spending decisions in the future if the value of the asset that you're saving uh, is depreciating in 20% a year or 50% a year it's very hard to uh, accrue purchasing power over time, right? Like save, save, as you said, there's no incentive to save whatsoever. And I think if we think about incentive to save, uh, what is an incentive to save? It's uh, looking towards the future, right? And when there's high inflation, uh, it's very hard to have a high time preference. Now, when there's low inflation, uh, but not inflation. When there's low inflation, that allows people to both make uh, decisions that are based on somewhat stable economic data, uh, but as well as that, you know, you have a, a complementary, the stability that comes with low inflation allows people to think towards the future more than in 
a high inflation environment. Now, where I think, I think it's very obvious that a low inflation environment is better than a high inflation environment. Uh, but there is a very interesting question around whether a deflationary environment is better than a low inflation environment. And this is sort of fundamental economic question, perhaps one of the ultimate questions where we will find out if the market would prefer uh, either a disinflationary uh, and then at some point deflationary asset like Bitcoin uh, or whether the market prefers a true disinflationary asset like Bit- like Ethereum, uh, excuse me, a, a true deflationary asset like Ethereum. Although I think under the current structure of the way the ETH supply changes based on demand for block space, it's actually sort of reflexive. So the idea that the price is going to stabilize over time, not sure how likely that is based on the current uh, minting schedule. But uh, if we, if we take your premise that the ETH price has stabilized significantly uh, relative to general purchasing power, even if that's price in U.S. dollars, uh, whether you can think about it as purchasing power against a basket of goods, whether people would prefer to own a deflationary asset or a low inflation asset, uh, hard to say ultimately. And this is one of the questions that we kind of highlighted uh, in the article that we published before the replant uh, started or the barn race started, excuse me, which is if over time the market prefers a a, a, a harder asset than beans, uh, despite the benefits of the distribution from the seniorage and the competitive carrying costs associated with it, perhaps it is uh, a, a, a sub-optimal currency compared to Bitcoin or Ethereum once those prices have truly stabilized. But that's something that is going to take decades, if not longer, to happen. And in the meantime, there's very clearly uh, a need for uh, lower volatility assets than Bitcoin and Ethereum with competitive carrying costs. So I, I actually am going to uh, kind of not answer this one and, and don't know what the answer to the ultimate question is. I think we'll, we'll find out uh, collectively as a, like a civilization over time. Uh, but this is an economics question that the market's probably going to have to answer uh, in due time. I, I can't answer it. Okay, uh, and I, I agreed with you uh, on the bits of a deflationary asset, and you know, holding it makes sense. And do you think deflationary currency uh, make makes sense as can a currency? Isn't this opposite to what it's you know meant to be? A currency is supposed to be used so people you know will transact with it. If it if it increases in its value by doing nothing, why would I ever want to use it? Well, I don't, I don't agree with the statement that the cur- like currency. Uh, you know, is supposed to do certain things. Uh, in practice, the market has selected different currencies that have very specific properties. Uh, but I think that the it's hard to... I mean, if, if we take a little bit of a step back here, the introduction of Bitcoin... Uh, which what it really fundamentally did was allow for saleability of value across space and time in a much deeper way than gold in a previous sense. And then Ethereum generalized uh, permissionless compute. This is a whole new 
like one of the kind of guiding principles behind working on Beanstalk is that this this technology, this whole landscape is ripe for the creation of new money that doesn't really fit into or pushes against previous economic paradigms at a core level. And so answering questions about, is it better to have a deflationary or an inflationary currency sort of miss the point, right? The point is that the market is going to decide what is better. And very clearly right now, the market requires a low volatility asset. And the only way to create low volatility is, uh, I guess, without collateral is through inflation. So then the question is, what do you do with the inflation? And if you look at a design like Terra, right, the inflation from the demand for the stable asset, all of that went to speculators in the value of Luna, not to the stable coin holders. And that created perverse incentives that ultimately led to the system becoming way over levered with not enough liquidity, not enough desire to hold the stable coin itself, and at some point it imploded. But the question is really fundamental. You can get the incentives right. Uh, and in Beanstalk, there's very clearly an incentive to hold exposure to the stable coin itself. Uh, and that uh, the, the, the rewards for holding exposure to the stable coin are anti-reflexive, meaning the, the marginal benefit for holding exposure to the stable coin or purchasing additional exposure to the, to the stable coin increases as the price increases and decreases as the price increases, uh, or at least as much as possible on the latter end, because uh, you do have the inorganic demand problem. But that's, that's really the fundamental question Beanstalk is trying to solve, whether in the grand scheme of things over the scale of uh, centuries, the market will prefer uh, a, a truly hard asset like Bitcoin or a low volatility positive carry asset like Beanstalk or, or Beans, very hard to say, but I think that the, the thing that we're working on right now is to create the best version of Beanstalk such that it can stand the test of time and live for hundreds of years and ultimately allow the market to decide, uh, just like over millennia, the market has uh, chosen gold uh, and chose silver to a large extent as well uh, as the most uh, marketable and most saleable goods. Uh, to be used as store of value and medium of exchange, that hopefully, if bean demonstrates sufficient robustness uh, and low volatility in the bean price and competitive carrying costs, that it it perhaps stands a chance at uh, deserving a place in in the history books in the grand scheme of things from a monetary perspective. But whether the market will choose a deflationary or an inflationary asset. Uh, or an asset that doesn't change in supply like Bitcoin, uh, hard to say, hard to say what will happen. Okay, going to build, build up a little bit uh, on this. Um, now, you know, the bean right now follows the inflation of, of the US dollar. So let's say, you know, it, um, or, or tries to follow it at least. So uh, well, as a have... minimum, as a minimum, right? So yes, the yes. bean supply actually increases with the inflation of the US dollar and the increase in demand for beans, but yes, uh, I, I meant as like you know, if, how how would bean be used in an economy or in, in general? If people like wanna you know spend it or not, it would more or less follow you know the US dollar uh, because it follows the same the same you know inflation uh, uh, that it takes. So let's say if we had you know uh, uh, an ETH uh, 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 that bean stock issues 
you know, an another another being that is back to Ethereum, then that that would be deflationary as a single unit in its nature outside of what's happen what happens uh, from seniorage. Um, what I'm thinking uh, right now is. And following up on the idea of, you know, a little bit of inflation is good because, you know, it, it encourages people to spend uh, what they're having and that, you know, stimulates the economy uh, to an extent, is how, how can Beanstalk do this to its own, you know, to whatever is on the bean economy? And for now, let's take Root as an example, and maybe in the future, it will be other, other you know, uh, participants or other things on it. What if we introduce a little bit of inflation to the seniorage uh, in the silo? And, and this is how it would work. So let's say you know someone has some deposits in the silo, and then you you get 100 uh, beans as seniorage. Beanstalk will give you 90 beans, and then it will give you 10 other beans that will you know get burned through time if you don't spend it. And you can only spend these in you know things that are within the beanstalk economy. So let's say you get your you know your 100 beans. You can you can you can do all all, all whatever you I want. Just immediate, I would just immediately interject and say beanstalk probably doesn't want to impose some sort of fee on people like this. And it, it, additionally, you know, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily subscribe to the notion that you need low levels of inflation to encourage people to spend. Uh, I, I think it, there's some evidence to that extent, uh, but it's a, I think it's a more complicated pr problem than that. And in particular, when you're talking about building the bean economy, the reality is that people are going to, the, the benefits of holding exposure to beans in the silo uh, are enormous, particularly in the first couple of years of the system. There's a lot of seniorage. And the result is that it's very hard to take money out of the silo and do real stuff outside of the silo and compete with the yield from the silo. The opportunity cost is too high. And so the reality is that in order for there to be a bean economy, what you need is for people to be transacting in deposited bean, right? So everyone is constantly earning the seniorage in real time and transacting in beans. And that is where, and you alluded to it, Root is particularly exciting. That's because that is an implementation of markets for deposited assets. So the starting point is people have these deposits. They want to start to do things with them, whether that's spend them. Uh, they want to spend them at the very last minute and they want to spend them, uh, you know, they want to spend their beans. They don't want to have to sell them into ETH and then into USDC and use, use dollars or they want to just use their deposits at the very last second. Uh, you know, you need, you need a, you need people to start to accept the deposits on both. That's what, when you talk about a bean economy, I think that's where things get more interesting as opposed to imposing some sort of artificial cost on people for not spending their beans. That would be my first reaction. I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I have also reasons to why uh, in the long term this doesn't work. I, I was more thinking of the idea of stimulating if we choose, you know, uh, to simulate our own, uh, let's say, protocols, uh, then would, would that work? It might work, but I think it's a little cheating. It is. 
and um, um, you know, it's, it's it's encouraging people to do something versus than holding it. And in in the long run, anyways, uh, the stimulus eventually uh, gets translated into an increase in price. So you stop having you know that short term um, productivity, and it just gets translated into higher prices, and and you stop there. Okay, thank thank you for having yeah. uh, this I mean, discussion. I maybe mean, just if we go back to the comment earlier about new tech being built on Ethereum, you've never really had the opportunity to hold dollars in a bank account and earn interest on them that is the result of seniorage from the printing of new U.S. dollars, you know? So in the past, you can either hold the deposits in the bank account or you can spend them. This is really the closest thing to a new digital version of that where you're earning the most competitive risk-free from the, you know, assuming you're taking on Beanstalk risk, the risk-free rate of return, the Beanstalk native minimum rate of return, you're earning that for being in the silo. That's, that's like the, 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 the starting point for a new economy. You know, you need that before you can anything else. I agree. Okay. Um, that's it from my side. I also don't don't see questions on the on the town hall chat. So I'll give it a minute or two if anyone has another question. Um, I see Max was typing one, so maybe we'll take that. JDAPS is following up on the Bean ETH uh, pool. Yes, we, we discussed that. And the plan is to hopefully uh, launch a Bean ETH pool on the Beanstalk DEX. And correct me if I'm wrong, Publius, we're looking at end of Q3 or maybe early Q4. Yeah, definitely that's a, a short-term priority. Not sure exactly when that'll be, but uh, I think end of Q3, early Q4 is, is very reasonable. Maxo asks, the USD analog to transacting in Cyril Beans would be like paying someone in US treasuries, more or less. You take uh, that. I think it would be closer to trading bank deposit, right? Where you're earning the interest on your deposit account until the very last second. But it's also not it's also not unlike trading treasuries. Hersmith asks, where can I find more info on the DEX uh, plans? Um, so we've earlier discussed it on the six month road plan, uh, uh, which was uh, you know pre-exploit. Uh, we'll probably there's nothing you know new discussed in there, but there will probably be you know uh, more info coming out soon. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those uh, things that will will as opposed to like one big thing, it'll just be a bunch of small things that over time comprise the market. So, you know, the 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 market is pretty limited at the moment. Right now, you can just trade pods, but over time, it should support a bunch of different stuff, all without these. 
right, I think we reached the end of the questions. We we might end uh, class here, Publis, is that, if that's okay with you? Perfectly uh, okay with me. Perfectly okay with me. This is uh, it's all, all very exciting stuff. So we've got the down meeting on Thursday. Uh, the vote ends on Friday. Replant, God willing, on Saturday. Uh, this is all very exciting. So uh, if anyone has any questions about replant or anything like that, uh, in the meantime, between now and then, definitely shoot us a, a message in, in general or the questions channel. Happy to answer any and all questions and very excited to get this thing back back up and running. Very, very excited. Same here. And, and just to remind everyone, there, there is no action needed uh, from, from replant to unpause except picking, picking your beans if you want to take them and you know, deposit them into the silo. Uh, is that correct? Yes. And then after replant, as fertilizer is sold and people receive revitalized stock and seeds, uh, they may want to figure out a cadence to enroute their revitalized assets. Uh, that, 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 uh, that's the one manual behavior that's additionally introduced in addition to the mow and plant. Yeah, that's, that's again or similar to farming stock uh, pre-exploit. Yeah, you can think of it like that to some extent. Okay, I see jams typing. He asked if we hit 50% quorum. I don't, I don't think we've hit it yet. But you, you'll know once we do. I think the, the bean, I'm checking the Discord bot. It says 49%. Yeah, almost, almost there. Very cool. Very cool. Very exciting, guys. <laughs> Definitely is. All right. Thank you, everyone, for, for joining class. Thank you, Publius, once again for taking time and we'll see you in the down meeting and then in next week's class. Take care.